Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we've got like a, a goodie bag of stuff we got to get to. And i got to turn my phone off, uh, do not disturb, or on do not disturb, but we have to keep it open for the Patreon message. We're back in our, our respectful offices and homes after the Senior Bowl week, so it's kind of like that post... It's like it's a little bit of a lull, I'll be honest. Like clocking in for work this morning, but I did get a bunch of good work done. Justin, we got to talk about Patrick Graham not staying, which means we need a new DC. We got to talk about our new assistant GM, Brandon Brown. We got a tight end coach, and hell, even Davis Webb is back. And we have an interview with Anthony uh, of of Cover One, who covers the Bills and who's been helping us a lot actually through this process. At the end, Justin, how are you feeling? Bobby Skinner, hello. I'm glad to be home. <laughs> I'm glad to be sitting home uh, talking about some New York Giants football. I'm feeling good about New York Giants football right now, and we got a lot to get to, so I want to I want to keep it right at, right there. How are you? Like I said, I'm good. It's it's good to get back, and it's now it's good to get a, a work a pace. Of like, all right, let's do get some draft stuff done. Yeah, you know, got the Daniel Falele breakdown done today. Evan Neal on Thursday. Ooh. Um, you know, just just getting stuff done, really grinding towards the draft and the Giants filling out their coaching staff, which we got a lot to talk about, Justin. But before we get into it, this episode was brought to you by some special people. Who are these special sons of guns? We got Vinny. Desare, 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 Vinny. He's a him and Josh Frankel, Frankel. He's got a bum ankle, a part of the world beater tier. And so you know who else is Chris Peace. You, you know his last name is Peace. The guy's actually a pretty mean guy. He's not very peaceful at all. False. Uh, and, and then we got Travis Lindsay and Brian's camp, um, who has his own camp. And then Travis, Travis Lindsay, Lindsay is related, related to. Uh, Lindsay Adler, don't wear shorts. Justin, who are these people? Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. These people, including Chris Peace, who, shout out to Chris, he showed up at the Candlewick Diner after the Week 18 game against Washington, and we had a great time to celebrate the end of the Giants season and a really good Talking Giants season. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants, if you want to sponsor a show, plus get some other perks like two times a month we do monthly shirt raffles. Um, get to watch the show live. Bobby will send you some stickers and magnets. You can do that. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thanks to our patrons. All right, Justin. Friday, we, me, you, and Grump are sitting in the airport, and we get the news that Patrick Graham's going to interview for the Raiders. We're like, yeah, this is something, but we don't. We still, none of us like bring up, like, do you think he actually leaves? No. Well, we both get back to our home, me in Florida, me in New Jersey. I'm sitting around a fire in 80-degree weather. And Justin, I don't know what you were doing. We get the news that Patrick Graham is joining the Las Vegas Raiders are their defensive coordinator, which is weird because <clears throat> we'll talk about him as a loss and then what we do at, at D.C. We're not going to give you a full defensive coordinator breakdown, um, although I do think I do think we both landed on Wink Martindale of the Canadas. Vic Fangio is just not coming. I think he's taking a year off unless he's getting a head coaching gig. Because, I mean, they, Josh McDaniels got the Raiders job on Sunday, right? So you think, like, right away it's like, okay, let me start getting ready, at least making calls on my staff. The Brian Dable opening press conference is on Monday, and he said that unless Patrick Graham's got a head coaching gig, like Patrick Graham was going to be back. Like Brian Dable said that, like, the, and and that was reported by news, and then obviously you know Dable confirmed it. The Brian Flores stuff happens on Tuesday. I don't know how much that involves, but it's I will say it's sad to see Patrick Graham go. It really like I love Patrick Graham. I think he's really smart. I think he's up and coming. Um, there's there's things that he did wrong that need to get better. Um, but he also didn't have a pass rush. I just think he's a really smart defense coordinator who has a really bright future in this NFL, and seeing him walk out the door uh, saddens me. Now the Giants can replace him, and they can replace him well. Um, Also, I think it helps with the rebuilding idea, where it's, it's, you know, it's 
It's not like a, having a head coach and GM off cycle. But you know what? Patrick Graham's got a lot different view of how this team should work probably than Joe Shane and Brian Dable do. Where you know, But at the same time, Patrick Graham doesn't have uh, insight. But at the end of the day, he probably got more money and he got to go work with a better friend and someone he's closer with than Josh McDaniels. Yeah, from a football standpoint, you said it best. There's replacements for Patrick Graham, which that's something that I got a lot in some replies when, like the night that he left. Oh, I'm not really going to be fretting this. That may be true, but also, but also let's not act like 2020 and 2021. Like we didn't legitimately love Patrick Graham. Not perfect. It was not perfect at all. Um, the final two minutes of the half this year was really, really frustrating. The, you know, bend but don't break style wasn't perfect. Didn't always work, but this guy was able to adjust. He was a guy that we liked and he was a bright spot of this Giants team and this Giants coaching staff when the coaching staff as a whole did not have a lot of bright spots that even includes the head coach that we had in 2020 and 2021. So I'm going to miss Patrick Graham. Just from a fan standpoint, I liked the way that he acted. I liked the way that he talked. I liked rooting for him. I enjoyed rooting for him. And it He's seemed brilliant. like the players it seemed like the players enjoyed rooting for uh, enjoyed playing for him too. And he is going to get a head coaching job someday. And this is what Grump was saying while we were in Alabama. He's thinking, you know, he was thinking of himself, you know, yeah, we want Graham back, but how long is Graham even going to be here? So this may be, you know, looking back on it, you know, hindsight, we may look back at at the end of this year. If Wink Martindale does come around for a defense coordinator job with the Giants, he's another guy that maybe could get head coaching interviews. But I do think Patrick Graham is going to be a head coach before Wink Martindale or insert any other defense coordinator that the Giants could be looking at. Tom Rock made a good point. He's like, hey, they fired his... Like, when they fired Joe Judge, me and you were both like, there's just no way they bring back Graham, right? right. Like, you know. Um, <clears throat> and they... But at the same time, Patrick Graham knows, like, hey, defensive coordinator jobs don't grow on trees. And he probably didn't want to go back to being a linebacker or a defensive line coach. So, he, I mean, he interviewed for the Steelers' DC job, didn't get it. Interviewed for the Vikings head coach, didn't get it. And probably figured, like, hey, I'm not going to get it another job at this stature i will stay here i love these players and then when josh mcdaniels to the raiders happened which i hate to see him paired with someone i dislike as much as josh mcdaniels is um, there a, a quick talking football note has there ever been a hire well, i guess besides lovey smith to the texans <laughs> has there ever been a, it was has there ever been a hire these last couple of years where it's just adamantly and people say yeah that's not gonna work a lot of people like Josh McDaniels, though, which I'm just—I'm not the biggest fans of what he does offensively. Um, not to say it's bad; like he did a good job with Mac Jones, and it's—it's it's, it's some similar stuff to what Brian Dable does. And the Den- like Denver, okay, you screwed up. You didn't know how to handle a team, but then the Colts thing just shows like I don't know if you're ready, like to—I don't think you're ever going to be a good head coach. But but regardless. Um, Patrick Graham is gone. I'm going to be rooting for him. I'm excited to see how the Raiders' defense performs with him. Yeah, I hope he, he gets, gets a head coaching job. Yeah. So, excited to see what happens with Patrick Graham. Now, the guys that have been interviewed for the D.C. job, Vic Fangio's is not happening. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, but he only interviewed for the Jags head coach. He hasn't interviewed for any D.C. spots. I'm, I'm assuming that he's taking the year off unless he gets a head coaching gig to get a head coaching gig next year, which taking a year off does a lot for a guy's um, image. Yeah, does a lot for his image. So right now, it seems Wink Martindale and Steve Wilkes are the guys that have been brought back for second interviews. Sean Desai was interviewed. Jim Schwartz was interviewed. I go back and forth on Sean Desai and Wink Martindale on the guys I want. I think Sean Desai is an up and coming. He's a part of the Vic. He's a Vic Fangio, um, uh, you know, student. I think he did a, a pretty decent job with the Bears. Um, Definitely needs to, you know, I talked with Robert Smith of Windy City Gridiron, and he's like, definitely got some stuff he needs to get better at. But you saw, like, glimpses of, like, this guy can be a really good defensive coordinator. But I think I'm I'm landing on Wink Martindale just because he's proven to be a good DC. And I'm re- we're going to have an interview if we do get him. And I'm, I'm, I wanna, I'm fascinated on what went wrong in Baltimore. Yeah. You know, because they've, re- they've been a really good defense. And then this past year, they were bad. But it's like, it's there's a very clear reason why they were bad. It's it's. I want to know what happened between him and Harbaugh for them not him not to get be brought back after this past season. Yeah, I have a I have some theories on the stats about kind of like what 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 went wrong and how does it relate to injuries because they really were decimated this year with injuries. But you know, Wink Martin, how do you adjust? So I do think that he is going to eventually be the guy. I, I I do think so. We're going to save those conversations. 
I got a tip and it was really, really good. So we learned that Friday night that Patrick Graham wasn't coming back. I got a message Friday night at 10.20 p.m. that Wink Martindale was going to have his Zoom interview on Saturday with the Giants, which I think was nobody reported that he got the Zoom interview, but then everybody reported that Pat Leonard reported that on Sunday he had the in-person interview. So he had a Zoom interview on Saturday, which nobody talked about. I did. And then Sunday night, uh, Sunday during the day, that's when he had his in-person interview. So how do you like that? I The way that I worded the tweet. GT Justin Pennick. GT Justin Pennick. And I said, Wink Martindale may or may not have an interview with the Giants tomorrow, which was Saturday. And I said it Friday night. You shouldn't have take built in the out because you had good information. And I can back yeah. that up. Now, here's the thing. I want the people to know that. I knew, and you know, you read that tweet, and if you know me, it's like, yeah, Justin knows something. He's not just saying this to say it. I'm not looking for credit among the the Big J people. Not looking, not looking for credit. I want the people to know that I know, and we, I know. You got to get it to a point where GT uh, Bobby Thompson credits you for getting the news. He blocked first. me. You want to know me why too. he I blocked me? I have no me? idea why. No, I, I, well, I know why he blocked me. The I've never had an interaction with him until I tweeted that out about Wink Martindale about he may or may not have an interview with the Giants tomorrow. And then people tagged Bobby Thompson in my tweet, and I think he got jealous that he didn't tweet out fake bullshit information that whatever he gets. I tweeted out fake bullshit information that was real before he did, and I think he got mad at me and he blocked me. My dad punched me in the face because of GT Bobby Thompson. Wow, what a what a guy. What a guy your dad is. I also have it on... At least he's not a fraud. At least my dad isn't a fraud. Can I give a tip that I got that I'm not going to tweet out? Because it's more vague. Heard that Wink Martindale was pleased with how the interview went, and he thinks that he's going to get the job. Bam! How about that? So get ready for Wink Martindale. I'm I'm preparing for Wink Martindale to be the DC. Me as well. Although I I feel like the bigger swing would be Sean Desai. You know, like I think Sean Desai would get me more excited because I think he's an up and coming DC yeah. in the NFL. I don't think uh, at least not yet. As of what what is this Monday night? He didn't have an in person interview. It's been no, Wilkes. so that's why I'm. It's been Wilkes and Martindale that I've had the in-person interviews. Wilkes, I wouldn't like. Jim Schwartz, I'd be okay with, but I'm not. You know, Jim Schwartz is, he's been around. He runs cover three, cover one a lot. Yeah. We get it. I think it's going to um, be Wink. I mean, you saw how the Giants have operated. Most qualified. Joe Sh- I mean, how rare is it for somebody who's had top five defenses outside of 2021? Like, literally every year, 2018, 2019, 2020, he's had... Top five defenses in some rankings, in some regards. It depends how, you know, if you're looking at points, yards, explosive plays, DVOA, etc. Guys like this don't become available. So that's number one. And then also, he's like the first guy that they've talked to and that they reached out to. And Joe Shane, he was the first guy that the Giants reached out to. He got the job. Brian Dable was the first guy to interview for, for the Giants head coaching job. He got the job. And you're seeing the trend. So... Well, I mean, think about this. We got the Bills uh, offensive coordinator, the head coach. We got the Chiefs offensive coordinator, and then the Ravens guy is a defensive coordinator. It's like all the organizations we wanted to pluck from, we have in the three most important spots on the coaching staff. And did a similar thing with a smart organization in some ways, smart organization in the Philadelphia Eagles. We grabbed somebody at the front office. There you go. Good transition. Uh, well, once the DC's hired, we'll dive into that deeper for you guys. But the Giants hired. Can you read an ad first for me? I was going to read the ad after this. Oh, we're going to get ads are going to be tight. Just do it now. We're going to talk about Brandon Brown next, please. No, Justin, because I've been waiting for this moment. All right. And I've been waiting for it since September. It's finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. Wow, that's that's pretty crazy when you think about it. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. Now new customers can get a free shot at $1 million chop prizes with their first deposit. Wow. Who do you think is winning the Super Bowl? I... Should we save to, wait till Friday for that? Let's save it Let's save it to Friday. I like that. All right. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code JOHNBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for a full list of requirements to state specific responsible game resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling call call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the, uh, the TN red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. I forgot that we were supposed to fix racism on this podcast. That was a really good ad, ad read. You, that, you really nailed that. Yeah, and you were like, oh, maybe I should do that one because you can't read. Well, it's because I talk shit. I mean, that's that's the psychology. When I when I start talking shit to you, you're like, screw this guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna nail this. And you did. Good for you. I'm proud we of you. We were supposed to fix ra- the DraftKings ad reminded me we were supposed to fix racism on well, this podcast. Ne- Friday. Friday we'll we'll me and Justin will figure out how to fix racism. All right, stay tuned. But- the Giants are making a step at it. They hired assistant GM Brandon Brown, who was the director of player personnel for the Eagles. Quick, uh, you know, uh, just like a resume. resume for him. We worked in the pro personnel and the scouting department with the Eagles. Uh, yeah, you know, was director of play per, player personnel. Worked up from a scout. He was with the Colts from 2015 to 16 as a scout, and then came from Boston College in 2013 and 14. Interviewed for the Vikings GM job. Justin, it's hard to find information on GM candidates, let alone uh, assistant GM candidates. So there's not a ton of info out of there. He gets credit for finding a guy like Jordan Mailata. Was a good player, oh, really? Cry baby, but a good player. Um, you know, so hopefully the good players he, f- you know, finds don't cry in the end of November games. Um, but from what everyone's saying, this is a good hire. Like, I, yeah, did, could you find any deep? I listened to his, like his story of coming up. He seems like a really smart guy. He's only thirty three years old. Um, but for him to be named the assistant GM, Joe Shane finding like I, I I like this hire and I like who's being he's being re- replaced. I like that he's being who's being replaced even more so than just this hire in itself. Yeah, yeah, I'm a sucker for uh, if you go to a Jesuit university. Since I, I mean, St. Joseph's Hawks didn't wear this sweatshirt intentionally. I went to St. Peter's Prep, Jesuit High School, Jesuit College. So if he graduated from Fordham in 2010, and this is just fun. He earned a Juris Doctor degree from Barry University Law School in Orlando, Florida. And then while pursuing his law degree, which law school isn't stressful enough, he worked as an athletic compliance graduate and assistant football support at the University of Central Florida. So, I mean, if you, if you go to law school, like there's a reason why Bart Oates has my heart. He's a lawyer. So if you go to law school and you work in football, you basically have my heart. Um, yeah, Bobby. <laughs> he comes from an organization that does some things wrong. Eagles are far from a perfect organization, right? But what is the one thing that they have that the Giants don't have? And that is offensive line depth and talent and defensive line depth and talent, Um, which you could say Giants have a little bit more defensive line talent and depth, but we need offensive line help. And the one thing that the Eagles were able to do this year is protect the quarterback and run the ball. And that is why I love plucking up a guy that's part of that process. Brandon Brown, part of that process of bringing in good offensive linemen. How to evaluate those offensive linemen. Because that's even something, Bobby, that we were talking about with Joe Shane. Like, you know, yeah, he's, they've taken some offensive linemen. And they have they have their offensive linemen's okay, but it's not great. And taking a guy that comes from an organization that does a good job of getting guys in that can win up front, that is something that I love. And also having an assistant GM that's just more than a yes man. Like, I was fine with Kevin Abrams staying in that assistant GM role because if you're not in player personnel and you're kind of just managing the cap, then you're kind of just going off of what the vision of the general manager is. But I like now that we have an assistant GM in here that's going to do more than just be a yes man and manage the cap. And he's going to scout, like, scouting, like, you know, the things we talk about is him as a scouting players. Kevin Abram was brought as, as a cap guy. I want my assistant GM to be more of an advantage yeah. than Kevin Abram was besides just handling the money. Which, by the way, Kevin Abrams can still do because he took a demotion. Kevin Abrams took a demotion, the senior VP of football ops and strategy. And if that doesn't, like, pr- like t- I think he can do money, st- you know, handle cap stuff, right? Yeah. Like, I think we both think Kevin Abrams is... is is capable of that. I don't think he was ever going to tell Dave Gettleman, no, we're not signing uh, this guy because it can't work. I think he was just like, hey, I, I can make it work type guy. 
But I don't know if this speaks like this speaks to Kevin Abrams not being qualified to be the assistant GM or the GM, which is being groomed to be, than him willingly taking a demotion. Like, why can't he bet on himself to go? Why, why not go work for the Falcons or be like, hey, no, I, I, you know, I, I trust that I can go get a job. Well, and it's grow. the same thing with Chris Mara. I feel like all these guys are all talk, and the organization, John Mara, whoever hypes them up, or even the the mouthpieces for the giant organization won't name names in the media. But all these guys are all talk about I can do this. Look at what we've done in the past, and it's funny we had a we had a very well blo- respected. We had a bleeding blue episode on just how much the 2011 Super Bowl and Super Bowl 46 ten years later. I would never trade that Super Bowl for the world, but seeing how bad that was a bad football team, Bobby, but it gave a lot of people in the building confidence about how they can build a football roster. And really when it was Eli Manning's arm. And it took them and it took the organization ten years to really let that sink in their heads that, you know what, maybe they're not that great talent evaluators without Ernie Acorsi. Maybe they're not that great. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I like the Brandon Brown hire. He's got a history yes. of finding talent. And like you said, mostly on the offensive and defensive line. Like the Eagles O-line and D-line, not only is, has been good, but they've consistently been able to replace players on, on that. Yes. On, on, at that spot, at, at, on those positions. They let Jason Peters walk, who's one of the best left tackles in the National Football League, is older, but kind of just replaces him. And left tackle isn't really a problem for them like it's been a problem for us before Andrew Thomas. And they and listen, they they have taken it seriously. It's not that they just hit on every pick. They've taken it, it, it seriously at every level. There's guys who have they've drafted and haven't hit. There's but there's the guys that they have, and now they have the guys that haven't hit are depth. Um, yeah. So something that uh Joe Shane said about Brandon Brown. Brandon has a strong reputation around the league as a leader, evaluator, and consensus builder. He is a tireless worker who has experience in pro personnel and, and college scouting. He has a progressive approach to the evaluation process. Brandon will help lead the player personnel department as well as assist across the entire football operation. 33 years old, too. He's super young. Super young. Um, I also have a quote about um, what Kevin Abrams is going to be doing, apparently. So, again, um, what's his what's his formal title now? P of Football Operations and Strategy. Sure. Kevin has been and will continue to be an invaluable resource for me and our staff, Joe Shane said. In his new role, Kevin will be assisting with the day-to-day football operation, administration, and strategy of the organization moving forward. Don't know what that means, but sure. I think he's just still going to run the cap. Sure. Which, that shouldn't be this. That, that Again, the assistant GM's job should be more than handling cap. Like, the main job of it should be evaluating players and doing what Joe Shane did and handling, like... You know, doing what Joe Shane did for, uh, you know, for Brandon Bean. So now you have the football operations hierarchy and then the player personnel hierarchy. So here's football operations. Joe Shane's a GM. Brandon Brown is the assistant GM. This is all via Giants.com. Kevin Abrams, senior vice president of football operations and strategy. Jesse Armstead, special assistant to the general manager. And then you have, you know, data innovation, data analyst people. Player personnel, Chris Maris, the senior vice president and player personnel. Tim McDonald is now the director of player personnel for the Giants. The sole director of player personnel. Correct. Because Mark Collins has been fired slash not retained. And again, do we know what he's responsible for or not? But I'm very happy that guys are being fired. I want Chris Pettit next, but I'm happy that guys are being fired and earlier in the process. Again, yeah. they can't do it all overnight. This does. This is something that does take time. But I'm glad they found someone who they felt the new year place and did it now instead of waiting till after the draft. Yeah. Do you think Chris Pettit is going to be – he's going to make it past the draft this year, right? I don't think he's going anywhere until after the draft. I – if he's here next week, I would say yes. Yeah, I would think that would be a after the draft, like June, July, all right, it's over. Let's get you out so then the new guy can kind of come in here and start the draft process for 2023. I think it's too late to get rid of that's him. That's usually year. how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm feel I'm I'm hoping that is going to happen. Chris Pettit was with uh Joe Shane and, and uh Tim McDonald. I at least I think it was Tim McDonald. Uh, no, I Patty uh well, that who who is who he's buddied up to is Tim McDonald, who's yeah. not going anywhere. People Patricia say good. Tr- People always all tell us good things of Tim McDonald. I don't really care because he's still got the stink of being a mayor. Um, we got the rumor that 
it was Tim. The Tim was one of the ones that was given John Merrill these good GM candidates. And if Tim's one of the guys that helped bring Joe Shane in, is he a little hesitant to give him the boot? I don't know. It's an interesting. It's an interesting yeah. dynamic where you can, like you just said, like people speak well of Tim McDonald. You know, like even when like like I've you know, like said some things and I'll people like you know Tim McDonald's actually you know he's 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 not bad. Um, now at the same, but it's just like. Like you said, he is related to the family. Yeah. He's family. Yeah, He's Patricia Trania was the one that confirmed for me. I was talking with her the, one of the nights that we were in the Senior Bowl. She said, yeah, he was he was down there. So my initial, my initial like, is that Tim? Yes, it was Tim. So it was Chris Pettit, um, Tim McDonald, and Joe Shane were all on the field together, and they were chatting it up, watching some guys at the Senior Bowl. Giants hired a tight end coach, Andy Biscoff. Uh, was the Texans tight end coach last year, 2021. He had followed David Culley because before that he was with the Ravens uh, as the assistant tight end coach from 2018 to 20 and then was a Ravens offensive assistant and quality uh, control coach from 2015 to 17 after being the Bears coach from 2013 to 14. So he actually followed – you remember Mark Trestman, the guy from the CFL who was the Bears head coach? Sure. So he followed him from the CFL to the Bears and then when Mark Trestman got the job as the OC with the Ravens, he, yeah, you know, Mark Trestman got him hired with the Ravens, so he's been working with them. Overall, it's hard to judge a tight end coach. Might be the position that's the hardest to judge as far as a position coach. Um, I listened to some quotes on him. He talked about the importance of blocking and not being just a, a you know, a one a one trick pony at tight end. And you know, when I shared that clip, it's like a lot of Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, you're out of here. Who's probably out of here, uh, anyways? But go look at what he did with the Texans. Jordan Akins was there, you know, starting to get in. He's not the greatest block in the world. Brevin Jordan, who was a guy we liked in the draft, but the issue was, like, he doesn't block. He played 50% of the snaps, you know, the last down the stretch for the Texans. Um, now, that being said, he was the assistant tight end coach for the Ravens from 2018 to 20, where we, which was the peak of, like, Ravens tight end room is three, four deep, yeah. and they use all Mark of Andrews. them, and they, and they yeah. work really well. Now, I don't want to give him the credit for those tight ends playing well. They're good tight ends. But, like, Mark Andrews wasn't a... Wasn't a, a, a first round pick tight end. Um, so there was some developing there. And, you know, and they do use them in the run game. So, hey, I, I don't know what to tell you about this guy, but there's nothing, there's no red flags on him. I'll say that. Yeah. Cool do you think David Culley could maybe come over as like the wide receiver coach? I actually don't think that's crazy. Tell me why you don't think it's crazy. Well, he's got connections with, you know, Andy Biscoff. He's looking for a job. Um, they just fired him for no reason for the Texans to promote Lovey Smith, which is funny. How man, the Texans are like the, the Texans are now the new team in the league, Justin. Where it's like at least we're not the Texans. Like Giants and Jets fans should look and laugh at the Texans. When are people going to stop hiring uh, Belichick tree people? You talking about Lovey? No, I'm talking about with uh, the GM Cesario. Oh yeah, because I, I mean they've made certain. Josh moves McDown has never coached in, at any level, and they're they were trying to make him the head coach of an NFL team. Yeah, I, I mean, wouldn't Brian Flores just make the most sense for for them? Yeah. Well, it doesn't even if Brian Flores is suing the NFL, so you, but like you you fired David Culley and promote someone from his staff and Lovey Smith and Josh McCown was the guy you really wanted who was never coached in the NFL, like at any at any, at any position. It just. It blows me away at what they do. But maybe David Culley comes over as as the wide receiver coach. Do you have anything else on Coach Andy Biscoff? No. Cool. I hate not having more opinions on him. I really do. Like, our last tight end coach, we had a lot of... Well, yeah. I mean, We had a lot catches. of stuff on. He was a head coach, you know? Yeah. Um, but this, this go around... If you go back and look at that Joe Judge staff, there was a lot of info on all the position coaches. Because even, like, some of the ones that weren't well-known, there's a lot more info on college position coaches... Um, than NFL position coach. Well, that, you have, that's you know, the note. Brett Bielma is outside yeah. linebacker. Kevin Scherrer is inside linebacker. Um, Drew Henderson had been around for a long time. You know, Burton Burns, like all those Alabama running backs loved him. There's there's a lot more inf- information on that position coaching grouping from Joe Judge than uh, so far what we have with our tight end coach and Andy I mean, Viscoff. That, that's the note is that these guys are just coming from the NFL. If, you, if you're an assistant tight end coach, if you're a tight ends coach in the NFL, you know, you're not – you're not really known versus, you know, when you're in college, maybe you have some more high-ranking spots, you know, and, and that's the difference really between this coaching staff and the previous coaching staff is that, you know, maybe they spent one time at college. You know, Brian Dable was offense coordinator for Alabama for, for a year, but 
I mean, these guys are primarily, they've been NFL coaches. But Andy Biscoff is a CFL coach. Oh. Um, we'll see. Let's, we'll see what Andy Biscoff does. Hopefully, hopefully he's in the Caden Smith for tight end one train until the draft and we could draft Trey McBride or Jake Ferguson. All right. We have two more things to talk about. The heir has returned <laughs> and he's come to take his throne. Davis Webb is back. And wow. we're going to actually talk about Davis Webb in the interview and why Anthony's like, I, like I'm kind of mad we're losing Davis Webb. Um, he, he's Justin. He's kind of being brought brought back as the Alex Tanny role. That's what he did with Buffalo, like the coach who's a player at the same time role. Um, but it is kind of funny that that guy at one point was talked about as the heir to Eli Manning and Davis Webb. I'm excited for Paul Dettino. I'm kind of. I saw that him. joke being said a lot, so I, I I wanted to tweet it, but I was like, too many people have said it now. I'm just I'm just ex- I'm genuinely excited for him. I'm not even talking smack. I, should, I need to call in the Big Blue Kickoff Live and get in on Paul Dottino. Be like, hey, are you, you excited about? Oh, oh, to Paul. I thought you were talking to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's I, I would expect him to be the third string quarterback. Yeah, are we are we going to carry three? But the practice, the, I mean, you you have a guy on the practice squad. No, are, are we going to carry three during the regular season? I would hope not. Bills didn't. It. They had they had um and Davis Webb, Webb was on the practice, practice squad, squad guy. Yeah, where was from? Practice squad as well. Oh, they had two practice squad QBs. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So now we have a. Uh, yeah, that's why Webb wasn't. That's why Webb was available to be signed because he was on the practice squad and he had to sign his. The Bills wanted him to become the. They wanted him to take Shea, Shea Tierney's role. Yeah, they and gave him the, the option, QB right? Coach. Yeah, Davis Webb is going to be a coach. Like he said, it. I'm going to be a coach. Like it's very well known. We talk about it more in the interview with Anthony. Um, but he's like, I want to be able to get in the huddle and throw the, and throw the ball as long as I can before I'm forced into that coaching role. Love that. I Good think for you. That's that's what this is for him. Who would have um, thought? But hey, this this position is valuable though. Like still being a player, but also being a coach, like. I know we joke about those Alex Tanny types, and I know like you know there was criticism of like, hey, if he's a coach, just let him be a coach type thing. Um, where I do agree, I'd rather carry two QBs on the active roster. But if he's on the practice squad and with the new practice squad rules, where you can have vets on there, like this is an important role, like breaking down film and bringing tendencies to the other team. Like it's it's important, and yeah. that's why when we talk with Anthony, he's like, we're gonna miss this guy in Buffalo. Yeah, speaking a similar language. So now, do we go after and help Mitchell- DJ learn the offense? You know, do, do we go after Mitchell Trubisky? And just have quarterbacks two, three, and four on the Giants <laughs> roster of the Bills in 2021. I don't know how much they're going to go after Mitch. I think Mitch would be a good backup QB option, um, depending on depending on price tag. I don't want to go crazy, you know, no no more than like three mil a year. Um, but yeah, I, I actually think that's. But at the same time, the Bills might want to keep Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Hey, get into a bidding war. Joe Shane, Brandon Bean, they fight. We will deal with Mitch Trubisky is better than Daniel Jones takes at like from the day we sign him. No, oh, I may have to log off, smoke an extra. It cigar. doesn't. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's, it's up to Daniel Jones to play well or not. You know, he's not going to be the starter. But if Daniel Jones struggles week one, which I guess is kind of deserved, it's going to be put Mitchell Trubisky in talk and then Mitchell Trubisky will come in and then suck and they'll be like we need to go back to DJ at least he didn't do that you know how it goes Daniel Jones play well or your job or you're not gonna be the quarterback of the Giants or maybe they'll draft someone so um we talked about Davis Webb in the interview and then they they signed Jamie Gillen uh as a punter I don't think he's in here to take Riley Dixon's job I think they just want an extra leg on the team he's been he's been around with the Browns for the last few years he's been a pretty bad punter I guess um but Riley Dixon either needs to take a pay cut or they need to bring someone else in. Um, but I don't think I don't think it's like I don't think it's they're going to cut Riley Dixon before free agency and then it's we're rolling with Jaylee Gill- Jamie Gillen. No, and uh, Riley Dixon is one of those guys where it doesn't matter if you cut him post June first or pre June first, you save the same amount of uh, cap space. I'm trying to find. There's a really good analytics page called Punta Puntalytics. And that's where I get all of my takes on punters from. So what is this guy's name? Jamie Gillum. Yeah, he was worse than Riley Dixon's this year on an EPA basis for punters. So I don't want you. Unless you're like super cheap, then have a bad punter on your team. The and always hammer, though. Then always go for it on fourth down. He is ripped. He's a Scottish hammer. And we have He's a Scottish jacked. kicker. 
Grant Grenove does follow him on Instagram. Hmm. I, I found that out. Um, but we also are, this is of interesting note. He was last on the Bills practice squad. We have three signings in the Joe Shane era. Wow. All three came from the Bills. Wow. Yeah, this puncher's not very good. Yeah. Sorry. I, I would expect Riley Dixon to either take a pay cut or they cut Riley Dixon and bring someone else in to be the starting punter. And Jamie Gillum goes in the camp with both of them. Or they compete. The worst, the, the worst punter gets cut, and you're already bad to begin with. Right. Speaking of Joe Shane hirings, maybe you'll get to hear from signings. Maybe you'll get to hear one from on the show next week. We'll see. Wow. All right, Justin, read the ad before we go to the interview. Before Justin talks about SeatGeek, we're going to have an interview with Anthony Prohaska of the Cover One uh, team. You know, they cover the Bills really well, do a lot of good film analysis. So that interview is coming next. But first, Justin's going to read this ad. Yes. Bobby Skinner, let's talk about SeatGeek. I'm going to a concert this week. Fun. And we got our tickets on SeatGeek. And what I love about SeatGeek is they break down colors. Red means stop, means bad. That's easy for my brain. If you're colorblind, my old co-host of Bleeding Blue, David Powers, is colorblind. Sucks for him. If it's red, that means it's a bad deal. You maybe don't want to click here. If it's green, that means it's a good deal. We clicked on some green seats. I told one of my friends, hey, we're going to this concert. You've never used SeatGeek before. We're going to buy these tickets, and you're going to put in promo code GIANTS to get $20 off your first order after getting a really good deal on some concert seats. And boom, that's exactly what we did. So live events are back, and I'm going to a concert. You can get $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek with promo code GIANTS. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. We've got the apps on our phones. I got some parking passes for some friends this year that were going to a Giants game. So people at the Candlewick Diner, I ordered parking passes for them the day before the game. And sometimes it could be like, oh, is this parking pass going to get to my email on time? It did. I got it right away. Sent it over them. The transfer process is also super, super easy. Download the SeatGeek app now. Buy tickets to whatever sporting events, concerts. Use promo code GIANTS to get $20 off your first purchase. Again, code Giants, $20 off your first order of SeatGeek. Thank you to SeatGeek. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. Thank you to SeatGeek. All right, and here's Anthony. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we now welcome onto the program a guy I've been stealing his takes for from the last couple of weeks, Anthony Prohaska of Cover One. He's a film, a film analyst and podcaster for Cover One covering the Bills. Listen, I, I, one, thank you for coming on, but two, you're a lifesaver because it's hard to get all this stuff done in one month through the coaching search. And I'm like, all right, give me, yeah, I asked you, like, can you just give me like a quick synopsis of Brian Dable? And you said, no, like, I'll, I'll message <laughs> you back in a few hours with some real deal details. So it, it worked out that we ended up getting Dable. How, but what's going on with you, man? How are you doing? I'm good, man. Um, I'm busy, much like you are. You know, the Bills have had some coaching changes and, you know, we're shifting focus to the offseason. And then you're trying to mix in senior bowl coverage and all the draft content. And it's a it's a busy time and uh, it's wild, but I'm enjoying every minute of it. And yeah, I'm glad that we were able to get connected. And I'm glad uh, what I told you, you know you 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 found uh you found to be valuable even though i made all of it up no, i'm just kidding um yeah i wanted to make sure i gave you everything you needed to know because brian dable is like a super he's a polarizing guy in the bills community but he's respected league wide and that's a big hire for you guys so i wanted to make sure you had everything you needed to before we get into it so i've been following you guys a little more closely lately mm-hmm. how haunting is 13 seconds super haunting um my life as a bills fan is haunting so it's like and it's put it in perspective for myself personally right so i am born and raised in buffalo but i'm also a red sox fan and despite the fact that the red sox have won world series growing up all i knew was like heartbreak and paranoia being a red sox fan and a bills fan like all i think of growing up was the music city miracle for the bills and Aaron Boone's stupid home run in the 2003 ALCS game. One of my seven. favorite sports memories, by the way. It's such an awesome sports moment. Like, and even if you put it together with the next year, 
with 2004, like those back-to-back years, ALCS game, dude, I was going to say, that's probably the worst one. Like, that's how I felt. Like I went from the lowest of lows in 2003 to like the like most unbelievable high of highs with the Red Sox. But I'm always a paranoid guy, even though the Sox have still won. And the Bills paranoia is always within me. The 13 seconds, man, was so killer. Like you just, when we, when the Bills went up 29, 26, I thought, I knew Kansas city would score. I didn't know if it'd be a field goal or a touchdown and then Hill scores fast. And I'm thinking like, that's fine. There's a minute two left. We got timeouts. Let's score. Give them no time. We basically do that. And like, even though you're in the back of your mind, knowing like, like I told my wife, I was like, no, the chiefs have timeouts. They have a really good kicker. They have 13 seconds. They can get it to maybe like midfield and the bills just overcoached and, messed up big time and gave the chiefs everything they needed to. And it is, this is a heartbreaker. You know, I wasn't really conscious for the four straight super bowl losses. Um, so the biggest heartbreak for me in bill's history was the music city miracle. This might be above that um, just cause I'm older and I know what's going on now. It's, it's, it's gut wrenching for myself and for bill's mafia. Like it's, if you ever want to just make someone upset, who's a bills fan, just be like, Oh, 13 seconds. And they'll get upset right away. They'll either hit you or they'll cry. Like it's terrible. Yeah. I bet you Leslie. So Leslie Frazier, I actually liked him as a candidate more than mm-hmm. most people did. Mm-hmm. Like he, I love his philosophy. It fits a lot of the stuff like Patrick Graham had did with the giants. Okay. Uh, like I, I just, I just liked him and I put out the case for Leslie Frazier and my yeah. replies just turned into, yeah, 13 seconds though, 13 seconds though. So I'm sure he's, he's feeling that, but we didn't get Leslie Fra- Frazier. We got Brian Dable. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about the passing game with Josh Allen, but something that I think that, you know, needs to be talked about more is the run game with Dave. When you talk about how he mixes a zone, uh, you know, mix it has a mix of zone and gap uh, scheme and, and increase the gap as the season went along. But how does like he treat the run game? Cause you see the, the bills ranked near the top, but also Josh Allen accounting for a third of that. Daniel Jones is a good runner, but he doesn't run the way Josh Allen does. And he has durability issues. Like how has Dable like treated the run game? after like the Josh Allen uh, effect on it. So that's an awesome point for you to bring up the Josh Allen piece, because I think that gets lost in things like people will see the bills, like raw stats and see that they're towards the top of the league in rushing yards per game. But Josh Allen design runs and Josh Allen scrambles account for a large part of that. Um, I, I think what's been frustrating with Dable, even when the bills were able to find success with that gap scheme in the back half of 2021 and towards the final quarter of the year, it would still come and go in spurts. There would be times where you would think like, okay, let's maybe work in the run. Let's mix in the run a little bit. And it would just go away. So it is a bit stop start when it comes to the run game. It feels like it'll disappear for a quarter or an entire half, or sometimes it'll feel like just like a whole game. Like maybe they ran it a couple times, but didn't really work it in. Um, The bills. I mean, the bills also, we have to take into account too, like the bills offensive line, wasn't solid the last couple of years and they had instability just from an execution standpoint and from an injury standpoint, but he is a guy who favors the pass more and he will get into a rhythm and just kind of stay into it, even though it might look like, okay, let's pivot to something else and he'll stick with it. Um, despite the fact that, you know, you might be sitting there yelling at your screen, like run the ball. Um, but yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll ghost on it every once in a while. Yeah, I, I was listening to. I actually wanted to see how he reacted after that Jags game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched that press, and he mentioned like we we're in a lot of second and long. So I think it's kind of like one. Is he, is he like more? Is he almost like too, too forward thinking with the run game at times, or is it just kind of his philosophy? I think would he that Jags game is a is a good reference point too. Like I, I think at times he would almost try to go with like a tendency breaker for the sake of a tendency breaker. So you get into like a second and long. And he'd run the ball and it wouldn't work out whatsoever because he was just like, well, they're expecting us to pass here. So let's break tendency and let's go with the run. And then it wouldn't work. And then it would be like evidence of like, okay, let's just shy away from the run completely. Um, So he will tendency break from, uh, from time to time, but in large in part, he'll design your game plan around what the weaknesses of the opponent are and then how to attack. And then once the game starts, He's really good at adjust, despite the fact that we had several games this year where he did not adjust. Large part, he is good at adjusting, whether drive to drive, quarter for quarter, um, figuring out, you know, how to tweak things and really start to attack defenses. So with the passing game, you know, obviously the air hurt Perkins, but everything like is so blended together nowadays. And they even, you know, they brought in uh, Mike uh, Kafka, who, you know, comes from their West Coast roots and Andy Reid. 
what are the things that Dable went to early with Allen? Um, and then it was, did it like what did it develop into like these last two years where Allen's totally took off? Like what are you, what are like the, the schemes and concepts that Dable is the most comfortable with? Like that's his bread and butter he likes to go to. So the Bills offense with Allen has changed literally year to year from his rookie year up until uh, this past year through 2021. And it makes sense given how he's progressed in his mechanics and his technical ability and how he understands and sees the game. So it, it started out with actually like more like running based and play action under center kind of offense. And as things have evolved, you've seen more of a spread passing attack. They really leaned into it in 2021. Just the idea of like, okay, we've got weapons on the outside. We've got Josh Allen. Let's throw the ball all over the yard and run Josh Allen when we have to. When they ran into some conflict there, you saw teams doing to Buffalo what they did to Kansas City, which was play two high coverages, play them in zone, and it kind of gummed up the works um, for the Bills. But what you've seen the last couple of years, vertical attack, pushing the ball downfield, and when teams have tried to put a cap on that, you've seen a lot of surgical components to the Bills' offense, working that short and intermediate area. Now, what's hurt the Bills in those areas whether it's the receivers the Bills have or depends on, you know, what school of thought you're here, whether it's the receivers the Bills have had or Josh Allen himself and ball placement, Bills haven't had a ton of yards after catch on those underneath routes. So you get a lot of like seven-yard hook, completion, tackle, done. You don't get a lot of explosive plays built into yards after the catch. Josh Allen is doing a lot with his arm, getting a lot through air yards. Um, RPOs are going to be a big part of the Brian Dable offense. And it's interesting with having someone like Daniel Jones, who, you know, I know you said he, he can't run like Josh Allen, but he does have good mobility um, unless he's like wide open in the open field on like a 70 yard touchdown run in trips at like the 20, which is still wild. I had him on my fantasy team. I was so bad. I was yelling at the TV. Um, but Daniel Jones has some components to his game that I think fits what Dable's trying to do with his arm strength, with his mobility. I think you're going to see RPO. That's something that really the last couple of years, once Josh started to evolve, you saw more RPO worked into this offense, both as a whole, um, especially in the red zone. They almost went to it like too much, in my opinion, early in the year. And with how the offensive line was struggling, they weren't able to execute and it just created more problems Um than it was worth, but they ran RPOs at a 19% usage rate in 2021, which was the sixth most. They ran it over 23% in the red zone, um, looking at that. So that's a heavy component, and you're going to see a lot of attacking in the short and intermediate. You're going to see RPOs, and you're going to see trying to put defenders in conflict in any way, shape, or form um, and trying to take advantage of what the defense is weak at. How do you think a guy like Kenny Galladay gets involved? Because it's been pretty interesting to see Stefan Diggs, you know, where the first year was stats, 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 stats. And then, like you said, mentioned the teams are playing a little too high. And with those, mm -hmm. like you said, those vertical attacks and teams looking to stop over the top, it helps other guys eat. Galladay, who's has, you know, has lived on the contested catch. So he's never going to be, you know, that burner, that, you know, that Chris, Chris route runner, mm -hmm. but not, not a bad route runner either. And then, you know, the Giants probably won't get that too high treatment. How do you see Kenny Galladay's role fitting with Dable? You know, I'm actually super interested for that myself. I, I know he's had injury concerns, but whenever Kenny Galladay was on the field with Detroit, he was an impact player, like making highlight real catches, good at the contested catch point. Again, like you said, like he wasn't getting a lot of separation. And I know he got paid a bunch to go to the Giants, and this past year was disappointing. But I still think he's got that ability in him. And what you'll get from Dable – that might hurt Kenny Galladay in the eyes of the fans. He's not going to force anything to any one player. There's no like, okay, this guy's my stud. I'm going to this guy nonstop. Let's design plays for him. He's very much based on the matchup, which is why, you know, Isaiah McKenzie for the bills had huge weeks against the Patriots because the style of defense, the Patriots play with their single high and their man looks Isaiah McKenzie on those deep overs eats that up, which is why you saw more McKenzie and less Cole Beasley. But then the type of defense that the Dolphins play with their man coverage, you saw more of a Cole Beasley week and you saw Cole Beasley eat, especially over the middle. Same thing against Kansas City. He's good at finding those mismatches and designing things for that. So if he feels that Kenny Galladay has the advantage in a plus matchup in this given week, he'll be the guy and he'll be the focal point. But if he feels that, you know, hey, this is a week where this team's nickel corner and their interior can't defend the pass given how their linebackers work, 
this might be a big Kadarius Tony week and something like that. So I think you'll see better numbers from Kenny Galladay just because they were so bad this past year, but I don't think you're going to see every game where it's like, he's the target monster. He's the guy. Um, that first year where Stefan Diggs really took off was the product of a lot of things clicking. I don't think defenses were ready for the type of jump that Josh Allen had made right. in that year. And so, you know, not to downplay, but they caught a lot of teams by surprise. And you combine that with a COVID offseason, defenses being really hurt by that. They communication wasn't great on the defensive side of the ball. Offenses were just exploding. Um, and Diggs had a good year this past year, but you saw more of an emergence of Isaiah McKenzie, Emmanuel Sanders in the beginning of the year, Gabriel Davis down the stretch, and especially in the playoffs. So Dable is good at recognizing the mismatch and the matchup he wants to take advantage of. And if it's Galladay, cool. If it's someone else, cool. So I would expect a better year, but don't, don't expect him to set the world on fire. And then don't necessarily blame him for it because it's going to be scheme based. Like if Kenny Galladay only has a game where he comes away with three catches for 20 yards, I would also, I would look to the rest of the box score and see, well, did Tony come away with like 11 catches for 121 and two touchdowns? Cause if so, that's all related based on how Dable wants to attack. Which is, I think, I think is what giants fans are, are looking for. And I think Kenny Galladay, like was kind of okay when those type of things happen. You know, he didn't have any. I don't think his he was as bad as the zero touchdowns look. Like I, said, yeah. I was just hoping for a touchdown those last two <laughs> weeks, just so we could say he got a touchdown. Yeah. Um, but when they were clicking at the start of the not, you know the start of the season, Galladay was playing like he was having like his highest catch rate of his career, was having mm-hmm. good yards per game, and again it, it looked to thrive. And where the the Giants' offense is winning, like hey, he's getting those two high looks. You got Slayton one on one on this side, or you got Shep on the on the over. Yep. Uh, you know, and then Kadarius Tony came on the scene and, and looked pretty good. So I think that's something that like we like hearing. Like, we don't need to have Kenny Galladay force fed. We just need him to be at least impacting the game, whether it's taking that safety over the top. And you guys have the like the you mentioned some of them already. Like you guys have the pieces for it. Like the biggest question mark for the Giants' offense really is like, is Daniel Jones the guy? Like, will he be someone you can hang your hat on? But like. I know, again, people are down on Galladay, but there's a solid group of weapons and there's a solid offensive line in place. And then hopefully Saquon comes back and he's healthy, but you've got pieces on the Giants offense. And it's very possible that Galladay has a solid year and the offense has a solid year as a whole. Because again, you have like a good complement of weapons. It's just a shame the biggest question mark is around, you know, the the most important position, which is quarterback. But there's pieces on that Giants team. It's going to be pretty interesting to see because you know the offensive line is is really bad outside of Andrew Thomas, but they they're gonna they're gonna improve it this season. Mm-hmm. The addition of Dable and wherever you you fall on Jones, I don't think anyone thinks he's a horrible quarterback. He's just kind of an average. So it's like, what happens with him and Dable? Now we're not yeah. expecting that Josh Allen level, but it's like it's it's. It's kind of, it's, I think everyone's just kind of viewing him as a stopgap, and maybe they throw a curveball at us in the draft, but I think everyone's mm. viewing him as that stopgap this year. So I, I want to talk about Bobby Johnson, the O-line, but before that, something that doesn't get talked about, how do you think Dable's going to handle like the everyday media aspect in New York um, when it's, say, when it's not going well? Because it's opening press conferences. Mm. You, you basically win them. Like he came out and was joking around, and it was fine, and it was great. Joe Judge came and it was like had a you know a 15 minute opener and it was really great and um but I thought I actually thought Judge handled the media really well in his two years here besides that last second to last game where he went on an 11 minute speech because he never yeah. gave them anything he never yeah. gave them anything but did give them like details on answer but never threw a player under the bus type thing didn't didn't bring up a, a player up when he didn't need to how do you think that his personality will work with that because the more and more you cover this you realize it is part of the job as much as I may not care about what anyone says in the media as long as they're not trashing players. Yeah, that's 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 a fair point in question. Like when you are when you are the head coach, you have to, you know, you're the one who answers for anything and everything. And then that's already hard enough. And then combined with being in the New York market where, yeah, if something doesn't go right, like everybody wants blood and wants somebody's head on a stick. Um, I think he's gonna have a good like attitude when it comes to the press conferences, like what you saw with the kind of jokes. Um, and I forgot who he, who he called out, uh, for like being late to the Matt press Lombardo, conference, which was, yep. if there was anyone he called out, we, that's the guy we, we wouldn't mind. <laughs> uh, and, um, so you, you saw that, like that, that's in his nature to kind of like joke around, especially in like training camp time. Like he's a fun, jovial guy. Um, when push comes to shove, I don't think he's going to be an open book. I don't think he's, he's, he's not going to be the guy who gives you 
the complete Sean McDermott coach speak where it's just like, Oh, you know, got to look at the tape and see what happens. And like, Oh, well on this third down, when this had happened and you blew this, you know, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, we got to look at the tape and we'll circle back and see what happens. I think you'll get a little more. It's not exactly like squeezing blood from a stone like it is with Sean McDermott, but he's still going to keep things close to the vest to a degree. You know, this is a guy who, you know, really cut his teeth under Bill Belichick and then Nick Saban at Alabama. And both of those guys are known for being just dry, not really giving you too much, giving you just enough to go away and leave him alone. Um, But I mean, Belichick is even more to that extreme of just giving you absolutely nothing and being straightforward and blunt and not caring what the media thinks at all. So I expect Dable to be a little more open than his predecessors, but I wouldn't expect to really ever get too much um, from behind the curtain when it comes to him. Okay. All right. Most important position coach on the team is offensive line coach and the Giants uh, now Bobby Johnson. So I, I've watched the two-hour coaching clinic he did, and a lot of that is just drills and stuff. You can't, you don't learn a ton about it. But something he did say that really stuck out, and you confirmed this when me and you talk, is like he doesn't really like to do vertical sets. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how much is that different with a guy like Deion Dawkins? Because the Giants have a stud left tackle in Andrew Thomas who can handle that type of things, and you could put him on the island and then slide the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, did Dawkins get like more put on his plate from the left tackle spot, or was it like, hey, you're – like, this is what we do. I think it was more of design with within the structure of how the Bills offensive line operated. And another big thing you have to take into account, like the interior of the Bills line has not been great for the past, you know, couple of years. Mitch Morse is a fantastic center, but he had injury issues um, two years ago. And then there were injuries at the guard spots. And then you come into this year and the guard play was inconsistent. So I think part of the reason of just going with their jump sets and 45 degree sets was more of trying to compensate for what was going on in the interior. Um, Cause we've seen, you've seen some vertical sets from Dawkins um, in the past, but they really seem to go away from it. Again, Johnson doesn't love it. I wouldn't expect it a ton. That being said, you do have a really good left tackle in Andrew Thomas, and he has a different skill set. He has a different athleticism level um, than Deion Dawkins. And the rest of your line, as it functions with them, is holistically different than where the Buffalo Bills offensive line is. But I wouldn't sense, I wouldn't expect to see too much of that. Um, I would expect to see more just baseline level sets and trying to get a feel for everything and then maybe adding a little on depending on what you guys do in free agency in the draft. How, how would you like describe the development of Spencer Brown, who was, you know, a third round yeah. rookie for you guys? Like you go and look at it and it's like, oh, he played all right. And then you see some pressure numbers and they're, they're not how, like, just I'm not asking you if he became a pro bowler with throughout the year, but like, did he, did he seem like there was positive development throughout the season or just struggle? Oh no, most definitely. He had positive development. I, I still think towards the end of the year, you know, you were still seeing some reps where, he just got manhandled or got beat really bad. You saw it a couple of times against the chiefs when he faced off against Melvin Ingram. But I think, cause you put it in perspective, right. With Spencer Brown. And that's a great example. He, he played eight on eight football in high school because there wasn't 11 on 11 football where he grew up. Then he goes to the university of Northern Iowa really only has about a year and a half of starts under his belt, mainly one full year. And then opts out because of COVID and then gets drafted into the NFL. He is very green and raw when it comes to playing just actual 11-on-11 football, let alone with the caliber of NFL talent that he's going to face regularly. He was not meant to play any meaningful snaps for the Buffalo Bills in 2021. The plan, Brandon Bean said it when he was drafted, he was going to be a swing tackle. You'd see him as the sixth offensive lineman in when they ran some sets like that. But Spencer Brown wasn't supposed to be a guy that was going to see a lot of snaps. The Bills offensive line went to hell. Things did not work out. And he got thrust into the starting lineup and he held his own. You saw the athleticism on display, but you saw progression in his awareness level, his technique and the way he operated on the offensive line. I think Bobby Johnson has to deserve some credit for that. Um, I know he gets some flack and credit for the struggles along the offensive line. But when you see a guy like Spencer Brown, who was not meant to play, and was not meant to see regular snaps in 2021. And then you see him being a concrete starter through the middle of the year and on to the point that when he was out of the lineup, this offensive line looked completely different. You know, Bobby Johnson deserves some credit for that. And Bobby Johnson wanted him, you know, part of the reason that Spencer Brown was brought in and drafted by the bills was because that was a guy that Bobby Johnson earmarked um, in the draft and was like, I want that guy. And they brought him in and, you know, you really saw his effect. 
do they have like a type for their offensive line? I know you know Buffalo kind of scrapped some guys mm. in the beginning of of the the Brandon Bean era and then and rebuilt it. Do they have like a type for their offensive line or no? You know, it it's been hit now. I don't want to say hit or miss, but it's been back and forth. You know, they like like we were talking about they in twenty twenty one the offensive line switched to this kind of gap scheme run and ran the fifth most gap in the league from weeks 14 through 18 the previous year they had been more of a zone offense that they switched on like a quarter of the way in the previous year they were balanced they really haven't had continuity at the offensive line spot and they their theme is really just kind of like piecemealing it together they haven't gone high draft priority um they haven't gone crazy high signings i know they re-signed daryl williams last year um but the identity, and that, that's been the biggest thing that's hurt this Bills offensive line. They never really had an overall identity. They were never, okay, they're a physical offensive line, or okay, they're an athletic offensive line. They've just kind of had a bunch of tweeners that are, you know, above average at this and maybe above average at this, but they've never been holistically one thing. And I think that's been part of the reason why they've struggled over the last several years because they've just been kind of middling in their skill sets. And when you're middling in your skill sets, you don't have anything that you can hang your hat on as a group. And that's part of the reason they've struggled the last several years. I want to close it out with this because the giants signed Davis Webb today. And as a giants mm-hmm. fan, we get to relive all the, you know, Hey, this guy forced Baker Mayfield for the transfer. And the only reason he lost yeah. the starting job was because Patrick Mahomes showed up going to be the heir to Eli. So we, we, you know, we got to rehash all those jokes with Davis Webb. And then you're saying, Hey, I'm actually going to miss this guy. Yeah. And you, that's my question for you. Why are you going to miss a guy like Davis Webb? So, you know, Brian Dable said it in, in his presser, he talked about how, you know, in regards to Josh Allen, he he said like it took a village and there's been a lot of people that have had hands on the development of Josh Allen, Brian Dable, uh, Ken Dorsey, who is now the Bills offensive coordinator, Jordan Palmer, who works with Josh Allen in the off season and really helped refine his technique. And then the backup QBs, the Bills have had Matt Barkley was really helpful for Josh Allen. Davis Webb has been super instrumental. One, Josh Allen and Davis Webb have a great relationship. It's known amongst Bills fans. They always do uh, when they get together and then break off into individual drills at practice. They always like sprint to the drill location and see who can outrun the other one. They have a good like fun buddy relationship. But Davis Webb was basically like a coach while being a player. He was tremendous at breaking down film and looking at tendencies and scouting things for opponents. He was a guy that was in Josh's ear and in terms of game planning and prepping and breaking things down and being another set of eyes. He, he's a guy that the bills had earmarked for a coaching spot, whether it was this year or in the future, he's one of those guys, like, like the baseball player who everybody knows, like, as they get close to retiring or middle of their career, they're like, that guy's going to be a manager one day. Like that's what Davis Webb has about him. He's a player, but he's got a coach's mind. He's very helpful in the quarterback room. So being able to have Brian Dable and then have him being paired with Davis Webb, whether it's Daniel Jones or some other quarterback, it's setting that quarterback up for success because you've got a coach in Dable and now a player quote unquote in Davis Webb, who is really good working with young guys, helping them to progress and get to the next level, but also who has that familiarity with Brian Dable's system and the ins and outs both on the field and off the field. I'm um, yeah, I'm genuinely, I didn't want to lose Dable. I definitely didn't want to lose Davis Webb. Like that was part of like, oh, Dable's gone. It was like, okay, we got Dorsey still and we got Davis Webb. And now that Dable and Davis Webb are gone, I know it may not seem like much, but um, yeah, that sucks a little bit for Josh Allen and Bills fans. And it's a good get for the Giants. We grabbed Shea Tierney too, but the, the yeah. Miami fan in me wanted Ken Dorsey more than them all. Um, and I mean, he's the guy I've been wanting to get OC since they should have fired Garrett after 2020. Oh, really? I'm a, I'm a Hurricanes guy, too. So, it, like, when we brought Dorsey on from the Panthers, I immediately went back to, you know, those national title uh, teams. They should have won it back-to-back years. I hate that they got ripped off against Ohio State. I hate that McGahee got hurt. I hate the pass interference call in the end zone. So, I'm still bitter about that. But, yeah, I'm a Dorsey fan from the Miami days, and oh, at least we, able, we were able to hold on to him. I just can remember, you know, McGahee with the towel over his head at his press conference after that game. And then I remember the next day, my dad like taking me to do estimates at work and I just have a towel over my head like I'm Wilson McGahee. And after 10 minutes, he's like, can you take the towel off your fucking head? You look like an idiot. 
I love that. So that I love that's that. how. Inf- that's like when those like, hey, how much do athletes influence the youth? Like that's that's the that's Dude. the moment I always look back at. It's like I just had a towel in my head in the truck for some random reason. That's awesome. That's one of the coolest like <laughs> stories I've ever heard ever. That's fantastic. My I don't have anything as cool. I just remember being super upset when I saw his knee tear watching that game, and I just wanted to cry. And your story is cool and awesome. And mine is not <laughs> brutal anthony where can people find you find me on twitter at pro underscore underscore ant um that's pro two underscores a n t i work for the cover one network covering the buffalo bills and honestly just anything and everything football we're branching out and doing a lot more especially when it comes to the draft i host a show live every wednesday um, at 7 p.m on youtube called disguise coverage you can find it on any podcasting apps platforms any stuff like that i'm also one of the co-hosts of the cover one film room breaking down a whole bunch of film and all 22 stuff every single week live on tuesdays at 7 p.m and yeah that's me man i appreciate you've been a, a lot of help throughout this process so again people go fall in that live show sounds good i think uh, a lot of our youtube crowd want to ch- uh, check in on that all right thanks anthony no thank you man appreciate it hey sean you better hope i never get back in there. i will kick your All right, that's an episode. We'll probably be back here on Friday talking about your new defensive coordinator. Is it going to be Wink Martindale? Wink, wink. Um, And we'll probably have some position coaches to talk about uh, too on that episode. So excited for that. Um, Thank you for supporting us on our Senior Bowl stuff. Justin, any last thoughts before we we ride off? Loving what the Giants are doing. How about that? Excited. Excited. All right, so we'll see you guys on Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue. (laughs) 